0: Tonight we're going to talk about a character that we... Um, I say it's kind of rare, not one you hear preached about all the time, but I want to talk to you about Micaiah the Faithful. Micaiah the Faithful. Now, he's over there in the uh, territory in the neighborhood of First Kings where we have some of my favorite stories ever with people like Elijah and, and Elisha and all these prophets who do all these incredible things. And sort of nestled in the middle, we have this prophet by the name of Micaiah who gives us an incredible demonstration of what it means to be faithful to the Word of God and to be an example of who God has called us to be. And so if you'll give me a few minutes tonight, I want us to sort of unpack this character and this particular story and look at ways that we in our lives can exhibit these characteristics. So uh, we're going to go through First Kings chapter 22 tonight, but can I begin with a little bit of groundwork? Is that Okay. Let me kind of give you sort of a a big thing for us to know, a foundational truth that we need to understand before we can truly begin to grasp the importance of what Micaiah showed us. Let me tell you a little bit of truth here. Do you realize that union is not always strength? You say that again, union is not always strength. Now, some of you may already be thinking, "Well, well, well, wait a minute, PB. You say a lot that where two or three agree on any one thing, there I am, right? Doesn't the Bible say that a two- and a threefold cord can't be broken, amen? Alright, just make sure you're awake. But I'm here to tell you, yeah, if you get linked up with the right people, the Bible tells us that, that two people and three people who are linked together and bonded in the unity of Christ and peace, those three things together cannot be stopped by the enemy, Amen? But let me tell you something, anybody that links up with you doesn't need to be linked up with you. Not anybody that you link up with is good for you. And I'm just being practical, but we're going to get in plenty of Scripture, I promise, but can I just be practical for a minute? And maybe because of just, again, my background, a lot of y'all knew it, you know, I've I've spent a lot of years, whether it's in a in a teacher's lounge, or whether it's in a restaurant table at a minister's conference, or... God forbid in the foyer of a church or in a fellowship hall, you can get people together and they can become unified against a common enemy real quick. Y'all understand? And they it's exciting, it's easy to do. It almost it makes us feel good if we have a gripe against somebody. Man, there's nothing that does our fleshly selves much better than to find somebody else with a common gripe that we can team up and vent about against that person, right? I went too far already. I know I could tell we just got quiet. But you all understand what I'm talking about? A lot of times it's quick. I used to have... I had an history teacher, one of my favorite history teachers I ever had in college, and he would say this, and I'll try to clean it up because I don't want it to be too uh, controversial or offensive, but he would always say this, and it meant a lot as He was going back and talking about the different things of history, the reason why certain people uh, who were evil were able to take over. It seemed like just... People would be willing to pledge their entire allegiances to these evil dictators over time. And this is what he would say. He said, never underestimate the power of unintelligent people with somebody to blame their problems on. He'd say, never underestimate the power of unintelligent people who have a problem and they're giving somebody to blame their problem on. That's the reason that somebody like Hitler was able to take over. He was just able to say, hey, we all have a problem. We all hate the Americans. Let's gang up against them, Right? We, we we don't like the Jewish people we can gang up against. And so what I'm saying unintelligent, I don't want you to... I would like to use the word uninformed. Don't underestimate the power for uninformed people who don't know the whole story, but think they do, who decide they want to gather up against somebody who they think is doing them wrong. Does that make sense? Or don't, don't underestimate the power for people who aren't in charge, but think that they should be, who want to gather together and start heaping blame on the people that are. Is this okay? We're going somewhere. I just need to establish this truth. A lot of times, we think just because someone, uh, just because we've linked up with someone, that it must be God's sin or God given or it's great. The enemy will put people in your path and try to get you linked to them too. An unequal yoke with unbelievers ultimately doesn't make you stronger; it makes you weaker. Understand that God is, and, and this is the. We love God. God is willing to use weak things, okay? I'm a a glowing example, I promise you. If if God wasn't willing to look at my weakness and sanctify it and use it, I wouldn't be here right now today, amen? But understand, God is wanting to use weak things. He's willing to use weak things, but He's not willing to use unclean things. In order for God to use, you have to be willing to surrender yourself to Him and allow Him to to, to make you whole and to purify you. Is this okay so far? The passage we're going to look at tonight illustrates this concept and shows us the power of remaining faithful in the midst of temptation. When the enemy has put people in your life to try to cause you to form a bond with someone who is seeking out to destroy you, you need to be faithful enough to say, I'm willing to stand alone before I link up with someone or some spirit or something that's not of God. I'm not just talking relationships either. I just used that. Somebody was like, sorry, looking at it. No, no. I'm talking about just in your life. Not your marital relation, Any relation, anything that the enemy sends and wants to bond with me that I know is not of God, I don't need in my life. I would rather stand up alone for God and be on His side than to link up with the wrong side just so I don't feel alone. And we're in a society today that's full of bandwagoners. You understand what I mean by that? Even within the church, there are ministers and people who have who have received the call of God and stand on stages and speak in the name of God, or at least that was the intent, who will float from side to side and thing to thing and even allow truth to be compromised just because they don't want to make sure they're not standing out there alone. That's the reason I think it's important for us to look at this story of Micaiah. Go with me, 1 Kings chapter 22. Let's start with verse... Number one, and we'll look through the story and and I'll stop and give some points. So here we are. Now, three years had passed without war between Syria and Israel. So we had three years of peace for Israel. That's a pretty good stretch. All right. And so then it came to pass in the third year that Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, went down to visit the king of Israel, who was Ahab. Everybody say Ahab. Ahab. Y'all remember Ahab. He's not a good guy, right? If you don't remember, let me refresh your memory. Ahab's not a good guy. Ahab was the one who was married to Jezebel. You remember that name, right? She was not a good person. And Ahab kind of let her run the thing and, and do as she pleased. And he was uh, poorly influenced by her and kind of became her puppet. And he was anti-God and he, they, they had put prophets of God to death and, and were promoting all these prophets of, of false gods like Baal. Ahab was the one in charge allowing all of those things to happen. He's the king over Israel. Jehoshaphat is the king over Judah. And so now it's time for them to come. They're having a visit, a chat, so to speak. And so the king of Israel, in verse 3, says to his servants, Do you know that Ramoth in Gilead is ours? This is a stretch of land that at one time belonged to the Israelites. It was supposed to be a part of the Israelite land. That is our land, but we hesitate to take it out of the hand of the king of Syria. It was sort of like, okay, there's Syria. They have this thing that belongs to us, but we've been in this stretch of peace. We don't want to upset anybody. We certainly don't want to pick a fight and get beat, right? So we, we know that that's ours, but I don't know if it's it's worth it to rise up and go take what's ours. Does that make sense? Kind of like the bully who steals your milk, and you know that really is my milk, but I don't. It may not be worth a bloody nose to get my milk back. You know, until it's time to stand up, and you, know, you get the point. Well, here's where we were. Verse 4, so he said to Jehoshaphat, so Ahab's a little concerned, he's a little leery, he says, I'm not sure if I want to go pick this fight, but, oh, here's Jehoshaphat, and he has an army too. And so he tells him, he says, Jehoshaphat, will you go with me to fight at Ramoth-Gilead? And so Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, I am as you are, my people as your people, my horses as your horses. Now, Jehoshaphat, if you read the story, and again, I'm for the sake of time, don't go back into it, but he, he has had moments where he was a godly person. He was considered a person that God had anointed. Jehoshaphat has stories of victories. It, you know, his most famous stories where he was going out to fight in a battle, and instead of leading out with his weapons and with the armies, They send the worshipers out there, and they begin to sing praises to God and worship, and guess what happens? They win the victory. This is Jehoshaphat. He's a person who is after God's heart. He knows the truth, and he knows who God is. But notice what has happened to Jehoshaphat. The moment where he's offered to join into this alliance so he can gain something, this land that he thinks is his, how quickly is he willing to compromise that? I don't want to park here too quickly, but I want you to notice, it's easy when we're in the church and we're surrounded by the people to clap our hands and say, oh, if God be for us, who can be against us? I'm going to walk through this land with everything. And then the moment that something arises that can give us personal gain, all of a sudden we're willing to say, well, maybe that's not so bad. Maybe you haven't been tempted by that, but just just trust me, it happens. It happens. The enemy will throw things out there to make you just stop and think for a moment. Okay, well, maybe this isn't that bad. I know Ahab's a bad guy, but maybe, just maybe we can go through this, and maybe we can have some victory, and maybe this will work out the way it needs to be. Maybe this will work out for my side. But I want you to notice that this was sort of a one-way relationship. Everybody say one one way. I mean, Ahab is excited. He's thrilled. Why would he be excited and thrilled? Well, he's getting Jehoshaphat, the guy who God has been on his side, the guy that God has allowed to get victory. Amen? I want him. He's a winning player. I want him on my team. And that sounds pretty good at first, doesn't it? But here's the problem Jehoshaphat wasn't victorious necessarily by talent or skill that he could just immediately give to Ahab. No, Jehoshaphat did it because he was anointed by God and he was following in God's path. In other words, Ahab wanted to, if I could use this analogy, he wanted his cake and he wanted to be able to eat it too. You ever heard that before? In other words, Ahab was good to be connected with somebody of God because he wanted the blessing and the fruit of the Lord, but he wasn't willing to go through the consecration and the sacrifice that it was going to take for him to live in that victory and that anointing all by himself. I hope somebody's getting this. How many times do we want to be connected to the body of Christ? We may even come to church. We want to. We want to call, and we want people from. from we want people who are filled with the Spirit. We know to call who to, to, to pray for me. I want those people from all seasons to pray for me, but I don't want to become that spiritual of a person. Y'all you know, a little crazy. Does that make sense? Y'all ever been around that? Hopefully, none of you've been those people. Well, you know you ever. You know, there's some people that say, we want what you have, but I really don't want to go through the process of getting it. I'll just let you get it for me. That makes sense. I may be going way off in the weeds here, but I uh, think of an example of when I was a kid and watching TV. And y'all know my, my affinity for watching wrestling as a kid. And there was a man named the million dollar man, Ted DiBiase, who wanted to be the champion. But to be the champion, he had to beat Hulk Hogan and he could not beat Hulk Hogan. So he just thought he could pay Andre the Giant to beat Hulk Hogan for him, and then Andre the Giant would just give him the belt because he gave him money. And that was his plan. And it worked to perfection until it didn't. Because the people in charge said, no, we're not going to do this, so nobody's going to be the champion, and they had a tournament to crown a new champion. Some of you were thinking, what are you talking about, PB? I'm talking about the fact that some of us, we want the blessing of God, but we're not willing to go through the process of consecrating ourselves to live under His blessing. Is this okay? We think we can take the shortcut route and get the blessings of God with by just being attached, by being close. Oh, my mama, my mama was a praying woman. I'm going to reap the... And I believe in generational blessing, but ultimately, you're only going to go as far as you're willing to surrender. Your mom can't get you there. Your dad can't get you there. Pastor Lod and Pastor Bradley and the people, we, we, can, we can give you the word and we can break it down. We can pray for you. We can pour into you. But ultimately, it's going to be you that travels and goes to the destiny that God has for you. Does that make sense? All right. So understand, he, this was a great thing for him. He thought that, you know what, I can have the help of God-fearing Jehoshaphat. But the problem was, Jehoshaphat was the one who was risking it. His compromise was going to lead to utter destruction. There are people who are on the Ahab side, as I was just sort of preaching on, that want to be close to the blessing, but let's not be, let's not sugarcoat this either let's talk to us there's several of us who are in the kingdom of god but the moment that something that seems a little bit appetizing in the world comes to to play we're willing to lay down our standards to get a little bit of fame and fortune we become willing to lay down our standards if we think it's going to give us some sort of carnal gain and that's where jehoshaphat is oh we'll just have a little bit more land oh we'll get a little bit more money oh it's okay i know ahab's a bad guy but the lord's on my side so we'll still win I'm here to tell you, you start flirting with the wrong people, you're going to start letting them drag you down into the muck and the mire of this carnal world. And the Bible says the wages of that world is death. So understand why this is so important, all right? So, thus, this is what happens in verse 5. So, Jehoshaphat, he's flirting with disaster, but he still has a little bit of sense. He says to the king of Israel, please inquire for the word of the Lord today. So Jehoshaphat knows if we're going to be successful, even though this is dangerous, and I probably shouldn't be hanging out with you, Ahab. I shouldn't be linking arms with you, Ahab, because I know that you aren't on the right path. I know you're not doing what you're supposed to, but let's at least hear the word for the Lord. Maybe the Lord will give us a word, and if He'll give us our blessing, it'll be okay. I want you to be honest with you. I'm going to be very honest and raise my hand first as high as I can. But how many of you have gotten yourself in a mess that you ask God to bless? All right, thank you. I'm glad I'm not the only one. I was worried that I was going to leave me out here to dry. I can't tell you how many times in my life I've gotten myself in a mess and I'm just like God. I know you will bless it, and God is like, huh, huh, uh uh-uh. I didn't tell you to do that. You own your own. God, you'll never leave and forsake you. Well, oh, I'm with you, but, you know, you go, I'm going to wait for you here on the other side. All right. All right, I'm sort of being funny, but, I mean, there's times we, uh, we we expect the Lord to always, you know, get us out of And I'm glad that He's merciful that a lot of times He will, okay? But that's where I feel like we are. I kind of laugh and chuckle when I read this. Jehoshaphat's like, hey, uh, uh, let's at least get a word from the Lord. Maybe, just maybe, there's a word from the Lord. He was anxious that some true prophet be consulted. So they asked for a prophet. And then in verse 6, the king of Israel gathered the prophets together. Now don't be confused here. Because if you first read that, it's like, all right, well, he got all the prophets of the Lord together, right? No, if you read and look at the translation, the prophets he's talking about here are his 400 false prophets and prophets of Baal. These are not the people who were listening and hearing the word from the Lord. These were the people that heard the word of thus saith what I think Ahab wants to hear. Can I give you a warning? I may be getting ahead of myself, but it's okay. It'll be worth repeating. (laughs) Be careful of who you think is saying thus saith the Lord. Make sure that they're saying what the Lord is saying and not what they think you want to hear. It's important because look at what happened. They come and so they're all gathered together. And so 400 men and they all and they start to ask them a question. Shall I go to Ramoth Gilead to fight or shall I refrain? There's, Give me a word. Or, Do we need to go and get this land or is it a bad idea? And so the prophets tell them, they said, go up for the Lord will deliver you into the deliver it, I should say, into the hand of the king. Go up. The Lord's going to deliver it into the hand of the king. 400 people are saying this. I mean, think about it. If 400 people are telling you something, most people are like, well, I can't. that's a bunch of people. They all agree, right? It's got to be good. But notice again, Jehoshaphat, and this is important. There's still a little something in Jehoshaphat. There's a little good there. There's a little bit of conviction in his heart because look what he says in verse 7. He said, wait a minute. Is there still not a prophet of the Lord here? important Jehoshaphat says yeah all your men are saying this and they may be wise in their own way and wise in their counsel they may be educated in their way they may know the way of Baal and they know what you like to hear but I still haven't heard anyone that I know that I know that I know has heard the Lord let me say this again not trying to get off on a side track but if there's anything that's important I'm asking and begging you and I know that you're here and I'm glad and 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 you wouldn't i don't think you would be here if you didn't trust what you hear from here but i again as 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 a sheep and as part of the shepherding team of this church i have to remind you and urge you and beg you please be careful who you let speak into your life as a voice of authority because again not everybody who cries lord lord is really hearing the lord You better discern and know that you're hearing from God when you let somebody speak into your life. Jehoshaphat said, still, is there a prophet of the Lord? You sure there's not one? And so verse 8, the king of Israel, Ahab, says to Jehoshaphat, it's like, this is the one that we didn't want to deal with. I gave you 400, but since that's not enough, there's still one man, Micaiah, the son of Imlah by whom we may inquire of the Lord. But I want you to look at the very next phrase. There's one more, but I hate him. Ooh, I hate him. Please, anybody but him. Why does he hate him? Because he does not prophesy what? Man, we can go get him, but I hate him. Everything he says, is just gets on my nerves and my toes, and it's negative against me, and I feel like I get beat up every time. Again, saying it's somewhat funny, but you ever, you know, heard some, you ever invited somebody to all season? Man, I come to all seasons, but every time I get somebody preaches there, man, I just have to change my life. I'd rather go down here and just be the same, right? And, and again, let me again, prerequisite. I feel the spirit shifting there. I'm not saying that you can't hear the Word anywhere else. You can, okay? Make sure that's clear. Those who are watching, I believe, yes, stay at your church, listen to your pastor if they're a man of God. Amen. <laughs> But understand, there's sometimes when you know that you know that you've heard somebody who's hearing from God, it's not always going to be the, whoo, yes, this exciting type of thing. It's going to be something that cuts to the bone and cuts to the core. And you're like, ooh, I don't like that, but I need that. Y'all know what I'm talking about? So Ahab already saying, listen, we can go get this guy, but I'm telling you, he's terrible. He's the worst speaker. I've been giving you 400 incredible preachers that could come up here and speak and get us excited to do the job, but you're insisting on us getting that one right there. It's fine, but I'm telling you, this is not going to end well. I tried to tell you. And so Jehoshaphat says, hey, 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 king, let's not say such things. Because again, Jehoshaphat still loves the Lord. He doesn't want to see a man of, of God be... Slandered here. And so the king of Israel called an officer and said, Bring Micaiah, the son of Imla, quickly. So now we're going to see this prophet at work. Who is he? Well, Micaiah was summoned to the palace. He's a noble person. Micaiah had the fire like Elijah and several of the other prophets of that day had. He was someone who unrelentingly spoke the word of God. He carried the boldness of Elijah. He was a holy man. Who was he? Let me give you a couple of things about him. The first section, so to speak, is is me giving you this. Who was this Micaiah? I need you to understand that Micaiah was a holy person. He knew the mind of the Lord. As I said, the Lord will use weak things all day long. He wants to use weak to show His power. Amen? But He's not going to use the unclean. Meaning he's not going to use somebody that's not willing to yield himself or herself to his power and to his molding and to his anointing. Does that make sense? The literal meaning of that name, Micaiah, was who is like Jehovah. Isn't that powerful? All these Bible names are literally translated. His name literally meant who is like Jehovah. And so his very being, his very essence is prophetically declared from his birth was a declaration of the Lord. In his character, he was like God. And in his testimony, he spoke that there was none like God. He was the mouthpiece of God and he was a representative of God. He was a light that was designed to go in the dark places and shine the brightness and the goodness of God wherever he went. Can I hear to tell, can I tell you something today? Every single one of us in here are given that same mantle once we come into the kingdom of God. You may say, well, Pastor Bradley, PB, I'm never going to call myself prophet. That's okay, but you're all called to be a light into a dark place. We're all called to be the mouthpiece of God and to speak His Word and His goodness. We're all called to be the light into this dark world and to represent Christ everywhere we go. Every one of us who've been called into the fellowship of His Son, we've been called to the same mission, and that's to be a person with a representation. I want the desire in my life, not because I want my name glorified, but I would love for people when they think of, of PB to think of somebody that if they needed to get in touch with God or they were looking for someone to be an example of God, that's what I want to be. Not because of anything I've done. I want people to look at me and say, that's someone who the Lord used. Is this okay? Micaiah had that representation that even the king who hated his guts knew that he heard from God. Here's the second thing, and this is also just a part of it. Anybody who has a mission and a call of God to be a representation and a mouthpiece of His goodness in this world is going to face temptation. Jesus Christ himself, who had the greatest mission ever given to someone on this earth to die, to live a sinless life and to die as a sacrifice for us. What did he do before he could fully receive and, and begin his mission? He had to go on a 40 day fast in a wilderness where he was tempted by the enemy to give it all up. So if you've listened to anyone, if anyone theologically has tried to, to teach you and to train you or to make you believe that temptation within itself is wrong, they, they don't know the Lord. They don't know truth, okay? Because every single one of us at some point in our life are going to face temptation. Now notice where I stopped the line before you start you know, picking apart my theology. I don't think everybody succumbs to temptation every time you're tempted. I believe the Holy Spirit gives us power to overcome. Amen? Amen. But understand, Jesus had to endure temptation. He overcame temptation with the Word. But Micaiah had to go through temptation. Let's look at what the temptation was. Go with me to verse 10. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, they have put on their robes, They've sat each on a throne at a threshing floor at the entrance of the gate of Samaria and all the prophets prophesied before them. So get the picture. The kings are sitting here on their throne and they have everything laid out and all these prophets are just coming and prophesying. Oh king, you're all going to go be victorious. Go up, you're going to take the land. Go up, the Lord is with you. Because that's exactly what they wanted to hear. And now Zedekiah the son of Chinanah, that's what we're going to go with, had made horns of iron for himself. (laughs) He's doing an illustrated prophecy. (laughs) It says, With these you shall gore the Syrians until they're destroyed. And all the prophets prophesied so, saying, Go up to Ramoth-Gilead and prosper, for the Lord will deliver it into the king's hand. Y'all forgive me, I'm going to get sidetracked again real quick. Is that okay? I've got time. I told you not to listen. Not not everybody who says, thus saith the Lord, means it's true. But let let me make another point here that I don't know if I clarified. If I did, forgive me, it's worth repeating then. Just because you hear something over and over and over and over and over again doesn't make it more true than it was the first time. They're all saying it. And again, I'm trying to be good. I don't want to go too far, but I, you know, even within mainstream, a lot of people say a lot of things that doesn't make it true. There are a lot of people who knew they heard from God about an election that didn't go the way that a lot of people claim they did. And again, I'm not getting political. I'm not telling you which way it should have went. I'm not trying to bash anybody. I'm just, I'm just uh, understand that a lot of people can get into a flow of, well, everybody's saying it. That must be what it is. But everybody may not be hearing from God. They're simply telling the people in a crowd what it is that they're wanting to hear. And so, that's what's happening. He's hearing all these people prophesy. Then in verse 13, the messenger who had gone to Micaiah spoke to him and said, Now listen, the words of the prophets with one accord encouraged the king. So please, let your word be like the word of one of them and speak encouragement. So again, Micaiah's been summoned to do what? Do y'all remember? He's been summoned to speak the word of the Lord, right? Now we have one of these crony prophets over here that's trying to hijack him and say, hey, we kind of have this thing going on here where we're telling the king something he really likes and he's getting excited and it's motivating him and he's feeling good and we don't like the king when he's angry. So why don't you just go on with what we're doing? Now, maybe in that sense that seems a little bit ridiculous, but can I again point you to where we are as a society? When everybody who's trying to come up with ways to deconstruct everything that Christianity was built upon and say, you know, all those things, there's a lot of new generation that get offended when we start talking about the fact that there's, you know, just man and woman, and there's a lot of people who get offended when we start talking about the grotesque things like the blood. That we don't want to offend anybody. We there's a lot of people who who really like the fact that we just simply promote social justice and we we just simply are promoting grace that that forgives everybody for everything and we don't need you know, just let people do what they want to do and let's just not mess that up. When you start phasing it like that and you look at the similarities of where we are, you can see the danger that could come for a prophet and a temptation to, I'm either going to go against everything that everyone else here is saying and I'm going to be all alone or I could join the crowd and maybe I can, you know, survive this. That's a tough decision if we're just looking at it from the flesh. Am I right? But thankfully, Micaiah remembered who had called him. Amen? Micaiah remembered the fact that it was the Lord who had given him the power. You see, the messenger was trying to persuade him to speak words that were simply pleasing to the king. But you know, I point out some words that Paul would say in the New Testament. You know what he said? If I yet pleased men, I wouldn't be a servant of Jesus Christ. Can I say something here? And I don't want to go too far, but but, but I think a lot of times even within the church, and I'm talking to myself, I'm guilty. We can get so caught up in making sure that what we're saying is pleasing man that we forget that the ultimate audience we have is one and he's on the throne above. We have to get to the point where we don't live our lives simply for the approval of man. You know, I talked about conflict for a while there. I'm an I'm a avoider, so I, I talked about it. I like everybody to be happy. So when I want everybody to be happy, I like to make sure that what I'm saying isn't going to ruffle someone's feathers. And if I get so much into that mindset, then there's truth that I need to speak that I may not speak. Does this make sense? You know, the Lord has taught me in several of my roles now, and and you've heard me say this before, and I'll say this again. I'm not giving you a license to be a jerk in the sense of, you know, brutally, honestly just telling everybody what you think. There's some people who have a very much a spirit of vitriol, and they just spew all of their negativity out and say, that's who I am, and I'm just telling you the truth. That's not what I'm talking about. Does that make sense? But I'm talking about this. There comes a point in my roles that I serve, both in the kingdom of God, my roles in this world, that I have to be willing to speak the truth, even if it isn't popular. I have to be willing to tell people the way that something needs to run, even if it's not going to be something they like to hear. Does that make sense? If you're a mother or a father, you know there's times you have to look at those kids that you love and that you adore, that you brought into this world, and you have to carry out some discipline and do some harsh things to it, even if it breaks their heart. They've got to, ha- they've got to have it to be who they're supposed to be. Amen? As administrator, there are times I have to talk to students and teachers, and, and and they may not like my decisions. And there's times where I have to be willing to say, regardless of what whether they like it right now, it's for the betterment of them. There's times here in this church as a, in my roles as a student pastor and associate pastor, and there's times I have to make decisions, or I may say we're gonna do this or that, or and, and there's people who have not, believe it or not, me of all people have not liked my decisions. <laughs> I'm being facetious, it's okay. But believe it or not, there's people who disagreed with what I said, and you know what? It's okay. Didn't mean that I cut them off and again be a jerk. No. I'm going to still love them. We're going to keep going. But sometimes in truth, the truth still has to go forth regardless of what people think. Is this okay? I'm here to tell you, if you're going to to totally grow into the destiny that God has for you, you have to reach a place where you're willing to stand up for the truth even if you're standing alone. You have to be willing to stand up for what's right even if that means that someone may not like you. We can't continue to die on the cross of public opinion. And so that was what he was facing. All these prophets were telling the king what he wanted to hear, but the man who stands in God's stead has to be prepared to stand alone. You see, workers of iniquity, they always like to hear the good things that are said concerning them. you realize that? A lot of times, the people who desire and chase after affirmation the most are the people who are in sin the farthest. Again, not trying to pick on anyone, but there you know, in about four weeks it already noticed it on calendars, it automatically populates and you see stuff out like it's a it's a holiday. We're gonna celebrate pride. Why? Because there's a certain group of people who want and need affirmation and they're gonna do everything they can to bombard you with it until they receive that affirmation. But the people who need the affirmation of man are people who are not living in a place where they've received the affirmation of God. Does that make sense? If we can get ourselves to that place, we don't always need that affirmation of, man, men-pleasers are always going to be found speaking smooth things and, and keeping everybody happy and making sure everything's just so. The people of God are willing to speak the truth and let the chips fall where they may. Is this all right? Let's go to verse 14. And so Micaiah then says this, As the Lord lives, whatever the Lord says to me, that I will speak. So what was his answer? He was tempted... And given an opportunity to sort of cower and to follow the crowd. But Micaiah says, you know what? I'm just going to speak whatever the Lord tells me to speak. If the Lord tells me what you're saying, then great. But I'm not just going to follow your path. I'm going to follow the path of the Lord. Amen? Amen. And so the third thing about Micaiah here I need you to know is that he was faithful. Faithful i have heard of Martin Luther, right? Martin Luther had to have a moment where he stood alone against a lot of a very powerful enemy called, or, or, or entity. That's what I meant to say, not enemy entity. And that entity was the Roman Catholic Church of the day, that had become so corrupt that all of the tenets of spirituality had been gone. No longer were people being saved by grace. It was you pay the priest and let me line my pocket and I'll give you some forgiveness. Terrible things. And Martin Luther was a student of the Word of God and. And listen, if you're a student enough history, I won't go too far And it. Martin Luther had his own issues. So when I quote Martin Luther here, I'm not telling you that I think everything he said or wrote was perfect. Is that okay? There are definitely some things that he needed to fix in his life. But nonetheless... The one thing that he, he he said and that he was willing to do is he said, I cannot stand here anymore and allow the church to become a den of thieves that's full of corruption. There has to be a reformation come so that this church can come back to where it was meant to be in Acts. And he started the Protestant Reformation. Listen, we're here because of that, okay? Somebody asked Martin Luther that because of what he had done, because he was willing to stand up against the most powerful entity, not only just, we're talking religion, I'm talking politics. You realize whole countries were under the influence of the Pope. He was the most powerful man in the world politically, could tell people what to do. And, and kings and queens were chosen by his watch and war. incredible things. And this man was willing to stand up and call them out and say that they were corrupt. And people said, Martin Luther, you're crazy. The whole world's against you. And Martin Luther, Key, or Martin Luther just simply said, well, I guess that means I'm against the whole world. You see, he reached the point where it didn't matter how many people were against him. Wrong was wrong. He was going to stand up for truth and what was right. Paul said something similar in Acts 20, 27. He said, for I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of, Of God, Paul was talking to people in Acts and he said, listen, if it's here and it's truth, I'm not going to shy away from it just because it may be hard. I'm thankful that we have leaders here in this church and people who are willing to divide the Word of God and aren't afraid to tell us the truth regardless of whether the fact it may hurt our feelings. In Jeremiah 23, the Lord said this, He says, And he who has My Word, let him speak My Word faithfully. Are you willing to proclaim the goodness of God and the tenets of God and proclaim the principles of God even when it gets difficult? Micaiah was willing to do that. Let's go to verse 15 and see what happens. So he came to the king and the king said to him, Micaiah, shall we go to war against Ramoth Gilead or shall we refrain? And Micaiah, the reason I like Micaiah again is I think he had a little bit of a sense of humor. If y'all have listened to me enough, whether you like it or not, you know that's, that's just who I am. <laughs> Micaiah had a little bit of a sense of humor, so he started kind of messing with him. He says, go and prosper, for the Lord will deliver it into the hand of the king. And Ahab knows, you're crazy. I mean, this is what I just infer. He probably just looked at him and his shook his head and he said, How many times shall I make you swear that you tell me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord? So again, he knew what Micaiah was doing. Micaiah was sarcastically doing what all the others had told him to do. But that's not really what you meant. So he said, tell me the truth. What are you hearing from the Lord? And so verse 17, Micaiah says this, I saw all of Israel scattered on the mountains as sheep that have no shepherd. And the Lord said, these are, have no master. So let each return to his house in peace. He was willing to stand up and say, listen, this is what the Lord is saying. You can take it or leave it. So I talked about who Micaiah was and the fact that he was faithful, the fact he was holy, the fact that he was tested. But I want you to look at how he was treated because this is where the true, I think, temptation can be strengthened and bolstered here. I think a lot of times it's one thing for us to say, hey, I can deal with temptation and I can do all of this, but I think sometimes we need to take a good, long, truthful look at what happens and how we'll be treated in society when we stand on the way of truth. The first thing I need you to understand is as good a guy Micaiah is, and as much as I like him and we can respect the fact that he was holy and faithful, Micaiah was hated. I mean, take you back to that, you don't have to go back to it on the screen, but back to what we had just read when he was first mentioned. Well, we know this guy, but what did Ahab said? I I hate him. You know, I often often see this meme a lot and this quote a lot. You've probably seen it too. I've seen a lot of people point it to to ministry or maybe even to, to management, but you know, if Seen it posted in a lot of preacher groups. If your main goal is just simply to make people happy, quit preaching and go sell ice cream. <laughs> See that's it for managers too. If my only goal is for everybody to like me, I might as well shut down and just go sell ice cream. It's hard to find. It's hard to have anybody mad with ice cream, right? But if you're in any other kind of line of work where you have to deal with people, guess what? There comes a point where all of us, even the most popular of us all, the most friendly of us all, I. You're going to be hated. His words didn't appease the king's ear, and he remained faithful to the true words. And as a result, he was hated. You think that was bad? Look at Jesus and his disciples. When he Jesus came in and began to speak the truth about the fact there's no other way but through me. You can't earn it, Pharisees, through your works. I don't care how good you are and how much you know the law and how all these things that you've done. I'm here to tell you that I'm the way. Unless you accept me and join my kingdom, you're not getting in. And everybody's just like, whoa, Jesus, we love you. No, they hated him. Hated him to the point they were willing to let out a murderer and put him on a cross to kill him. The disciples begin to proclaim, hey, y'all, y'all not understand this man rose from the dead? He's alive. Is that not enough for y'all to believe? They hated them too and put them all to death. Listen, the carnal mind is at enmity against God. you understand what I mean? As much as I know we live in a carnal world, and as much as I I really don't believe in trying to get religious and have everything hyper-spiritual all the time as far as you've got to only listen to this and only, you know, those type of things where it becomes like a rule and a gotcha type of thing. But I'm here to tell you, there is a line that if you're going to live in the kingdom, you cannot surrender to the carnal world. There's a line where if you're going to follow after Jesus, there are just some things in this world that we cannot have as a part of our lives. There are things that we have to keep out of our away from our eyes. There are things that we have to keep out of our ears. There are places where our feet do not need to trod. Is this Okay. There are activities that do not need to be a part of our repertoire in our life, our lifestyle. It's quite clear that if Ahab had truly loved God, he wouldn't have hated God's servant because he spoke the truth. The problem was between Ahab and God, and the fact that Micaiah would speak the truth caused hatred on the inside of him. John 3.20 says this, For everyone who practices evil hates the light and doesn't come to the light. Why? Because in the light, his deeds would be exposed. So understand, there's going to be a line that if you're going to follow Christ, I taught students this all the time. I went through it when I was a young person going through dating. And even now, as an adult, I just have come to realize that there are certain people that as as much as I try, that I'm not going to be able to connect with because they know where I stand. Does that make sense? Not that I'm better than them, but there's some people that just simply aren't going to allow me into their circle because they know what's on the inside of me is going to mess with what's on the inside of them. I actually had this discussion. We were laughing about this today. You know, one of the biggest things that I've learned this year is now a principal. I spent 14, 15 years as a teacher. And, you know, there's clearly a line between teachers and students. But even as a teacher... There was a certain level of relationship I was able to earn with students where they were able to earn trust and they would confide and I could counsel and talk. And it was, if there's anything, I, I, I missed that completely because now that I've stepped in my role, anytime I even approach a kid and say, Hey, how's it going? Uh, I, I'm going to lunch. I'm good. And I was sort of laughing at it. It's like, I, I kind of wonder if I, I, it's like I'm leprous. Anytime I walk by, I just things scatter. And they're sort of joking around. Well, of course they do because usually if they act like there's something wrong, it's probably because they were doing something wrong and they're hoping you don't know what they were doing was wrong. And I kind of think about the light that way—not from a religious standpoint or in just like a condemnation standpoint—but there is a point that when we get into the truth, it, it hurts us, and we, get, we we don't want we sometimes don't want the light to come in because we're afraid of what it's going to expose and what we're going to have to let go. Does that make sense? And so right here, that's that's what I'm we're seeing here in Micaiah. He was hated because when he spoke, it was the word of God, and it meant it was going to be the truth, and it wasn't always going to be popular. So in verse 18, the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, Did I not tell you he would prophesy, he would not prophesy good concerning me? I told you he's always gonna he's always picking on me. Verse 19, Micaiah says again, Therefore hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne and all the hosts of heaven standing by on his right hand and on his left, and the Lord said, Who will persuade Ahab to go up that he may fall at Ramoth Gilead? So one spoke in this manner and another spoke in that manner and the spirit came forward and stood before the Lord and said, I'll persuade him. And the Lord said to him, in what way? So he said, I'll go out and be a lying spirit in the mouth of all these prophets. And the Lord said, you shall persuade him and also prevail. Go out and do so. Therefore, look, the Lord has put a lying spirit in the mouth of all these prophets of yours and the Lord has declared disaster against you. So again, he's concluding to go any farther. Do you not realize that the Lord is allowing all these people to lie to you So that you can go and be killed? And now I'm telling you the truth. This is what's going to happen. What are you going to believe? So obviously he said, oh, thank you for giving me this warning and turned his life to God and everything was great, right? Verse 24, Zedekiah, the son of uh, Chinana, I think is what we said earlier, went near and struck Micaiah on the cheek, went and slapped him. Which way did the Spirit from the Lord go for me to speak to you? Now he's being mocked. He's being mocked. He's being physically assaulted and he's being made fun of. You're talking about the prophet of God. The one who's who spoken and, and is being faithful and doing the will of God. How can God allow him to be treated this way? What do false prophets and mean pleasers, know, men pleasers, know about the spirit of God? Well, here's the thing: they need, He has no place in their ministry. Let me go ahead and say this: if you really want to, and it gets down to brass tacks, if you really want to say who's a false prophet, when things get hot and things begin to get, you know, a little bit stressful, and I guess the the, the everything hits the fan, so to speak. The false prophet's character is going to come out and it's not going to be something that's pretty and it's not going to reflect the character of God. Amen? You're going to see mean spirits come out and that's what you have here. You see, false prophets and people who are always trying to just please men, they're always ready to smite with the tongue when grace has not been poured into their lips. They're the first person that the moment that somebody who's speaking the truth says something that gets on them, as I said earlier, they look for those people they can connect with and cluster with and begin to say, can you believe he said that? I think we need to... You start going after the people who are speaking truth. But here's the thing, smiting the speaker doesn't break the teeth of the truth. In other words, you can hate and you can despise and you can dislike... Everything that's been said by someone who's speaking the truth to them, but it doesn't make the truth any less the truth. Does that make sense? Listen, you can leave here today, and again, I promise I'm not trying to be a jerk, and y'all know me. I love you all. I hope you still love me now. But if I said something today that's in truth, and you're like, that," that you can go and you can blast me to everybody you know, but that doesn't change the truth. Listen, I... There's people who tell me the truth all the time and I don't like it. There's a reason my wife was placed in my life. Because she's going to tell me the truth whether I like it or not. And there are times that we get heated and she has heatedly told me the truth. And I said, I don't want to hear it no more. And I go in the other room. I may want to pout and say, I'm not putting up with this. And guess what? Just because I'm heated and I don't like it. You know what? Everything she said is still True. And eventually, I just have to learn to like it and get over it and we, we move on. Does this make sense? Sometimes we think that we can get angry at the people telling the truth, but that doesn't change what the truth is. In our testimony for Christ, we need to never forget that our position is outside the camp of worldly mindness bearing His reproach. Let's move quickly to verse 25. Micaiah says this, Indeed, you shall see on that day when you go into an inner chamber to hide. So even when they're mocking him and beginning to make fun of him, they physically strike him. He says, that's fine, you can do all of that, but you'll you'll know, you'll know. And so verse 26, the king of Israel says, Take Micaiah and return him to Ammon, the governor of the city, to Joash the king's son, and say, Thus says the king, Put this fellow in prison. Feeding with the bread of affliction and the water of affliction and until I come in peace. The third thing that happened to him, he was mocked, he was hated, and if that wasn't enough for doing the work of the Lord, he didn't immediately get a mansion and get to beam up in the glory, hallelujah. He got put in jail. He got put in prison. Again, understand when you start standing up for the truth, don't be surprised when some of the people in your life that you may have been seeking affirmation for, that's not what they're going to give you. He became the enemy of the self-seeking because he spoke the truth. It's easy to bind the servant of God, but I want you to understand something. The enemy will try to make you feel in prison, make you feel like you're isolated, make you feel like you're alone, In those moments when you've stood up for truth and you've now been isolated and cut off from society, He'll begin lying to you and say, See, is it worth it now? See, you're going to go running back to it at any moment. See, all that God stuff, all that Jesus stuff, I told you to leave it alone. But I'm here to tell you, just because something's locked in the prison doesn't mean it can stay there. You can bind the servant of God, but the Word of God cannot be bound. God's Word is here Yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? Like the wind, the Spirit like the wind bloweth where it listeth. When they imprisoned John Bunyan, while he was in prison for the work of the Lord, he wrote the Pilgrim's Progress. And that word and that testimony of God's provision still carries on here today. How much of the New Testament that we stand on now was written by Paul who spent all that time in jail? How many times when they tried to throw him in jail and tried to beat him and tried to shut him up when he was proclaiming the gospel, did the Lord supernaturally bring him out of those chains? John the Revelator, he was, he was as a disciple of God, literally dipped in hot oil, burned to the point his eyes were, he couldn't see anything, and they threw him on an island just to sit there and rot and die for the rest of his life. And from that came the greatest revelation of Jesus Christ that we have. I'm here to tell you, you may feel like you're isolated in the prison right now because you've stood up for truth, but I'm here to tell you, truth will also set you free in due season. Verse 28, Micaiah says, If you ever return in peace, the Lord has not spoken by me. And so he said, Take heed all you people. So, last part I want to share with you. What happened to the prophecy? What happened to the Word that was... Spoken. Well, the first thing you need to understand is that prophecy, the word was fulfilled despite the fact that they doubted that it was true. The king ordered him to be shut up until he would return from the battle peace. Well, let's see how he returned to the battle. We'll read this quickly. Go to verse 29. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, went up to Ramoth Gilead, and the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, Listen, I'm going to disguise myself and go in the battle. But you put on your robes. Again, every, Ahab knew that he was evil and everybody hated him. I don't want him to see me, but you're Jehoshaphat. The Lord needs to see you out here. So the king of Israel disguised himself and went in the battle. Now the fight of Syria, or the king of Syria had commanded the 32 captains of his chariot, saying, "Fight with no one small or great, but only with the king of Israel. So it was when the captains of the chariot saw Jehoshaphat, they said, "Surely it's the king of Israel. So they turned aside to fight against him, and Jehoshaphat cried out. And it happened when the captains of the chariot saw it was not the king of Israel, they turned back from pursuing him. But then a certain man drew a bow at random and struck the king of Israel between the joints of his arm. So he said to the driver of his chariot, Turn around and take me out of the battle, I'm wounded. The battle increased that day, and the king was propped up in his chariot facing the Syrians, and he died at evening. The blood ran out from the wound onto the floor of the chariot. Then, as the sun was going down, a shout went throughout the army, saying, Every man to his city, every man to his own country. There they were, without a shepherd, scattering on the mountainside, just as the word had proclaimed. So the king died in verse 37 and was brought to Samaria, and they buried the king in Samaria. So Ahab said, Listen, you're going to stay right there in prison until I come back in peace. Well, he came back in peace, he was dead. I'm here to tell you, I don't care if the doubters and the voices in your mind, I feel this strongly, I don't know who I'm talking to, Whoever the voices that the enemy's using in your mind to tell you that it's not enough, that you're not enough, that, that, that everything you're doing and striving for is not going to succeed, that you're not going to see a harvest, that you're not going to see breakthrough, that all the toil and the work that you've been going through is in vain. I'm here to proclaim that lie from the pit of hell and to send it back because just because the doubters say it doesn't happen cannot change the fact that God said it would happen. Whatever God has spoken in your life, you can still hold on to. I don't care if it's been a year, five years, ten years, 25 years, or if it was today He said something to you. You hold on to that until the time has come, because the Lord and His Word will always come through. Be encouraged. Go ahead, give God some praise tonight for that. I don't know who I'm talking to, but somebody needs to hear that tonight and know, don't give up on the brink of what God's going to break out in your life. Nobody can hide from God. Adam and Eve couldn't hide from God in the garden. They tried, remember? Cain couldn't hide from God after he killed Abel. Moses couldn't hide from God when he ran out into the wilderness. The Pharaoh couldn't hide from God when he tried. David, throughout his life, couldn't hide from God when he knew he had done wrong. And Ahab, when he tried to put on the skies, couldn't hide from God. God's arrows never miss the mark. There are many ways by, by which unbelievers try to disguise themselves with the hope of escaping. Maybe if I just listen to a little bit of Caleb every morning, it'll be, make up for all the bad I'm doing. Well, that may sound silly, but how many times do we think that? Oh man, if I can just hear two sermons, get to church two times this month, it'll make up for those other weekends that that I'm out doing my own thing and partying and doing things that are not of God. It'll be all right. It'll balance out. But the, the, the judgment of God is something that none of us will ever escape. Be sure your sin will find you out. The cloak of morality or religion will never hide from God the sin of an unbelieving heart. So understand that God's Word was fulfilled, even though the people doubt it God's word was fulfilled even though he tried to hide from it and here's the last thing tonight God's word was fulfilled because it was God's word because it was God's word. He says in his word over and over again, "My word will not return void. Do you understand what that means? That means there's times uh there's times I feel like that here there's especially especially times when you know, believe it or not, people actually ask me to come fill their full pit sometimes and speak to their church. And uh, I'm always humbled when they do that, but I always laugh, especially when I go to some places where, you know, I know they're not used to like someone like me, and man, they're just sitting there staring. <laughs> and you know, there are times that when I leave those places and I'm driving home, I'm like, God... <laughs> I hope you said something there because I know that they wasn't listening to me. (laughs) That's the way I feel. And there are times when me and the Lord, we have it out. We seriously do. I have it out with God saying, God, I don't even know why you asked me to do this. I don't know. I know this is we talked. I felt that you inspired this to me. And I I I felt like God I and it never it, it never fails that when I think that something could have been its worst and least effective, those are the ones that God seems to use to reach people the most. And I'll hear from people. It's become, God God knows when I need to hear it. It'll be random. I can be at a store and see somebody I have no clue who they are. They'll be like, hey, aren't you that guy? And I always wait and pause because I never want to admit to being that guy until I know which guy they're talking about. Wait, you're that guy from, from the Facebook videos. I've seen that. I've listened to that. That was good. Somebody randomly sent a text. I get text messages for people who may be going back and reaching something I preached six months ago that I forgot about. I need to probably go listen again and let it preach to me and get me saved again. They send the message, hey, I just, I just caught that and that really spoke to me and I want you to know that. I'm like, wow, great. I'm not telling you all that to try to brag on anything I've done, but I'm here to tell you the Lord has shown me that His Word will not return void. You may, whatever it is in your life, you may hear the Lord say something and you may go through, again, a season, a long season of, of trial and turmoil. It may feel like all of hell is raging against you. I'm here to tell you the Word will not return void. When, when that season comes and it's time for that, that root and that seed to sprout, it's gonna sprout forth and you're gonna see that Word become power in your life. Hold on to that Word. Every word of God is pure, it's incorruptible, and it's unfailing. Listen, the Lord never speculates. There's no shadow of doubt. When God says it shall happen, you, you, can, you can go to the bank with it. I would say you could set your calendar, but it's going to happen in His time, and so I wouldn't do that. But it is going to happen, and you can bank on it happening in the right time. Amen? Amen? The prophet who speaks in the name of the Lord and whose word doesn't come to the past is a fraud. It's impossible for God to lie. But when you know that you've heard from the Lord, you can rest assured that it'll happen. Let me leave you with one more Scripture. The writer of Hebrews says this in Hebrews 2 and 3. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation which at first began to be spoken by the Word? and was confirmed to us by those who heard Him. The very universe that we are experiencing right now today began with a spoken word when the Lord said, Let there be light. His word's powerful, my friends. And it was that word that declared salvation. And it's that word that's going to declare victory in whatever situation that you're facing right now in this moment you stand with me tonight? If you'll just quickly bow your hearts with me. I don't want to spend a whole lot of time. I do want you to take just a moment and allow Holy Spirit to begin to search your heart and speak to you. I want to challenge you with a question. How many of you in here want to strive to be faithful like Micaiah. How many of you tonight want to take that stand and say, God, from this point forward, I don't care what all of society around me may be saying. My family may think this. My community and my co-workers and my job may think this. The news and social media and everyone who seems to be intelligent says this, but... God, I'm willing to stand on Your side even if I'm the only one. God, I'm willing to proclaim Your voice and Your Word even if I have to do so on my own. If that's You, I want You to make a commitment tonight as we pray to not allow the temptation to draw You one way or the other, but to stand firm. And once again, as we pray, If you're here tonight and you say, Pastor Bradley, I know the Lord has spoken something into my spirit, into my soul. It may be a future ministry. It may just be a promise of seeing somebody come to the Lord that I haven't seen yet. It may be an opportunity that I know is for me, but I just don't see how it's going to happen. I'm going to pray that the Spirit give you a spirit of encouragement that you once again grab hold of that truth, that the Lord reaches down and puts His arm around you tonight and reminds you of that Word, that you could stand and hold on to it. Father, tonight I thank You so much for Your Word. I thank You for Your many blessings. I thank You for each man and woman that's in this place tonight. I thank You for the promises that You've given us. Father, I pray that You open our hearts, our ears, and our spirits to always hear Your voice and Your Word. Father, I pray that Your Holy Spirit rise up on the inside of us and give us a boldness to proclaim Your Word even in a situation where it may not be popular. Father, You didn't call us to go out and and, and cause confrontation. You didn't call us to go out and be rigid and be rough toward people but Father, you also didn't call us to, to live our lives simply for the opinion of man. You called us to live a life as a part of your kingdom, to follow your voice and to follow your will. So Father, today, for those who are listening to me who have been struggling by bowing down and compromising to the, to the will of mankind, I pray, Holy Spirit, you give them a boldness and a strength to stand today above it. Father, for each and every one that has received a word of promise from you, Lord, the enemy has has tried to lie to them and tell them and doubt that it wasn't really God. It's not going to happen. They should just give up. Father, I rebuke those lies of the enemy tonight in Jesus' name. And I proclaim that your word will go forth and we will hear the testimony of your provision and of your goodness and of your faithfulness. Father, I thank you for those moments that we're going to see. Father, I declare we're going to hear them soon in Jesus' name. I pray your hand be upon each one that's here in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Amen. God bless you. So glad you're here tonight.